0: What up, all you beautiful Misfits and Rejects out there. Thank you for joining me for episode 209 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Francis Nyan from storiesandcopy.com. Francis is a digital nomad living in Hungary who's originally from Memphis. I really enjoyed Francis's story because as you'll hear, Francis at one point found himself struggling with addiction, specifically addiction to opioids. And Francis decided it was time to take full responsibility for that addiction he kicked it on his own and then he pursued his dream of living abroad, teaching English in Europe, and then stumbling into the digital nomad world where he already had a passion for writing and just didn't really know how to translate that into an online business. Until, as he said, he met someone who kind of pointed him in the right direction, and that's how storiesandcopy.com was born. Now Francis writes copy for email funnels, sales pages, landing pages, anything you need copy written for. Francis takes his talents collaborates with you creatively, and delivers a service that helps you grow your brand. So if you're somebody listening right now who needs a creative character like Francis, please check him out at storiesandcopy.com. And please, if you're a first-time listener, pull up that phone and hit subscribe on whatever you're listening to this podcast on. And if you like this episode, the thing you can do that will help Misfits and Rejects grow the fastest is leaving a review and giving us a five-star rating, as well as sharing it with a friend who you might think might be as inspired by Francis's story or some of the past stories that I brought to you. I genuinely thank everybody who's taken the time to give Misfits and Rejects a five-star rating. Write a review. It means the world to me, and it really does help. That's the way the algorithm is devised. Anybody who's leaving ratings, writing reviews, really helps build my presence and allows people to find me a lot easier when they're searching these types of podcasts. So I appreciate you taking the time and doing that. And again, I have no doubt you'll enjoy this story with Francis Nyan from storiesandcopy.com. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Kruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories really try to overcome that fear and right there for any of your listeners a lot of what i was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact i just went and did it, it. welcome to another episode of misfits and rejects today i'm joined by francis nyan from stories francis welcome to the show
1: yeah, thank you, Chip. Thank you, for, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, me too, dude. You've been really awesome about getting back to me, and we've been trying to make this happen now for weeks. And I was just super excited to see the enthusiasm written on the page. So you being a copywriter and having that come across so beautifully, it really actually intrigued me to get, get you on here because I know that's what you do as a as an expert, I guess, if you will. And just in the the little exchanges, I was like, damn, this guy's excited. Like, I felt that energy through the page, man. And I appreciated that. So thank you.
1: Uh, dude, you're so welcome. Well, I was really excited to, uh, to get on here. You know, I saw some of the guests you have, of course, listened to some of your episodes, liked who you had. And yeah, I just wanted to contribute. And yeah, I loved your message and everything. So yeah, kinda want to be part of your story, your journey, and be in the next episode, whenever that could be.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a few before you, but we'll get we'll get you on there. Um with you grow you were born in Manila is what I researched. Born in Manila, raised mostly in Memphis, and now you are a resident of Hungary. Um when did you move from Manila to Memphis?
1: Oh I was a baby, man. I was only like a year, a year old, maybe. Um, yeah, the history on that's a bit faded. Not really quite sure. I could have been like three months old, but I know I was really young. So, yeah, I came over about, yeah, around a year. And then ever since then, I was just raised in Memphis, man. I mean, um, kind of like a true Southern boy, almost like a redneck, except not really at all. But, you know, and then of course, just kind of, uh, was all over the South and yeah, just ended up here in, uh, in Europe.
0: What, I mean, Memphis has come on my radar as a Southern California boy in the last, I don't know, 10 years or something just for the scene. It's kind of like tagged as one of those like Austin kind of vibes that everyone's so excited about. So growing up there and having grown up there, what can you say about what was life like?
1: Yeah, well, it definitely wasn't Austin vibes. That's probably like the one of the coolest things I've ever heard someone say about Memphis. I mean, I, you know, I guess Memphians always kind of pride themselves on it being a kind of like a rough town, kind of the the grind city as, you know, any basketball fans out there were known as like the grit and grind and, um, you know, kind of a blue collar town of like hard workers and everything. And um, for me, I was kind of lucky enough to see all that. You know, I went to like several different schools growing up in like the public school system and then, you know, in high school ended up um, going to like a very kind of, well-known private high school and even then you know this whole idea of like memphis is like the rough town it's like blue collar hard working it uh that's kind of was the only the, the thing that kind of seeped into my head and of course if seen, if any movie lovers are, are here and you know you have seen the movie hustle and flow i think everyone no matter where you are in memphis claims that movie to like be like that's memphis um but it's not really i mean i didn't really have that upbringing you know hanging out with like pimps and prostitutes <laughs> and things like that you know but uh you know that's that's kind of like memphis's uh kind of a uh, you know mindset is like a bunch of blue-collar people hard-working and uh, just a little bit different from uh you know people in the states
0: so what were you drawn to as a young boy growing up there like were you outside all the time riding bikes were you in the music computer games like what was your jam
1: yeah i was definitely a bit of everything you know to be honest i was uh and i was in boy scouts for a while so i was camping and you know doing uh you know going going to summer camp hiking fishing doing all that stuff but then you know i guess when i was even younger i was your typical kind of like uh neighborhood kid you'd always see me kind of shooting hoops in the in the, in the front yard with the other kids in the neighborhood and riding our bikes getting into you know trouble and just being stupid really and uh it was really cool cuz you know i got to uh yeah it's kind of like a magical time I guess in my life looking back at it because you know we'd ride our bikes like like neighboring uh you know other neighborhoods in the in like uh, the other down like, like have gang fights
0: <laughs> yeah 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 we'd
1: be like you know you don't you're not you're not from here dude like you're 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 in the other code the, the other postal code you know it's like I'm in Appling Trace you're in like Shelby Farms or something and they'd be like no you guys suck I'm like no way you know but uh yeah i was uh, kind of into everything I mean that's a cool thing about i guess living in like the suburbs in Memphis was uh kind of had a little bit of everything so and my my dad my dad worked a whole lot in like the inner city, so I would go with him and just kind of see different parts of Memphis all over the place so yeah, I was kind of drawn to it all just very just very curious i guess
0: i mean there's a big music scene there right and I'm just, were you into music
1: yeah of course i mean um I grew up playing like guitar and harmonica and things like that you know my dad was like a huge jazz and blues fan and being from memphis of course elvis is king so you know i think uh yeah that type of music that kind of like kind of weird i guess like jazz and like delta blues from like the 1920s and 30s that was that was always kind of like in me and uh, i was always really interested in that so even nowadays it's like one of my musical playlist that i have when i'm working is like there's like rockabilly kind of like Elvis presley like johnny cash like eddie cochran like this kind of like rockabilly like rock and roll like blues rock stuff it's like still that's still that's still with me now i'm like 20 years old and i still like i still listen to like the same 10 songs sometimes from that era
0: yeah did you say you're 20 years old no i'm 28 Oh, okay, gotcha. I was gonna say you—you're young man, dude, for already living in Hungary and like having a seemingly well-established business,
1: dude. <laughs> I look twenty. I look twenty.
0: Did uh, you go the classic route of like college and then you know travel Europe after you finish college and then decide what you want to do, or did you get in the corporate world, or how'd that play out?
1: Yeah, I definitely went to college. I mean, it was—I uh, did do that route because like that's just the the typical route, you know. And, um, you I Vanderbilt? studied art. Arche- no, I went to, I went to, speaking of the South, I went to like an even smaller, like I went to Mississippi, like uh, for university. I went to Millsaps college, like small liberal arts school. Um, I guess I really love the South. You know, sometimes people wonder why I even left, but yeah, I went there to study, uh, anthropology, with a focus in archaeology and, um, yeah, I mean, My whole plan was to be like an archeologist, realized I didn't want to do that. And um, you know I had like a little bit of, I guess I partied too hard, I guess you can say, in uh, in university, in college. So like I was dealing with a little bit of like an addiction towards the end of it. And in October 2014, so only a few months after I graduated, I had like an overdose. And then I guess I had my gap year after that. Um, Just trying to stay clean and stay out of trouble. And yeah, I guess I guess my first like real job out of college was like uh 9 months after my overdose, so like in October 2014 was when I had it and then I think in yeah, I think August, no no, August, April, I had my uh my job offer to teach English in Barcelona, which was like my main goal. So that was like my first like I guess uh my first steps into like the real world. So, yeah, this is
0: so cool. Do you mind me going a little bit deeper into your party scene? And and my question, pre and post party scene is, did you always have the ambition to go to Barcelona? Like before you were like super party guy? And then or that kind of come after in order to get out of that scene, because you just want to separate yourself from it and just get out of that situation?
1: Oh, A bit of both a little bit of both, really. Uh, you know, ever since I was younger, I know, I still remember there's like this story I tell like my good friends. It's like, and they always ask, like, how did you end up moving and going, uh, you know, becoming an expat. And I always tell them when I was seven years old, I remember looking outside my window and having like this feeling of like, I want to get travel. I want to see the world. So that feeling has always like stayed with me even as a kid and, um, you know, in college, you know, pre pre-party scene, even during the party scene, my whole thing was like, I want to go travel. But of course, I got way too into it, you know, was dealing with a lot of substance abuse. And then when it stopped, I was thinking, you know, all right, well, that part of my life is over. I'm clean now. I can focus on things I really want to do. Um, and yeah, I think like uh, two months after my, my overdose and I was getting clean, I was, I like signed up for like this international TEFL you know, certification and was like, all right, I'm going to, this is going to be my ticket to the world. And, you know, it was just a bonus that, uh, you know, I wouldn't have to, and I wouldn't be around, you know, drugs or anything anymore. So it was like kind of a cool package
0: deal. That is interesting. It's also an interesting perspective because I have been to Barcelona and I know the drug scene in Barcelona. So it's like (laughs) from somebody who, is coming off an addiction to going into environment at that age where there's a lot of those circles you could have easily, easily fallen back into. How'd you prevail? I mean, are you in a seven or 12 step program over there as well when you get there or what?
1: No. So I actually didn't go to like a rehab. My whole thing was like, you know, my, my mom, you know, bless her heart is actually works in, in opiate recovery, which is where I had my problem. And I kind of told her, I was like, Mom, look, I don't want to go to rehab and I know you know I'm smart, let me do this. Um, you know, I promise you I'll, I'll make it right and make you really proud of me. So this was all kind of kind of part of it. And while I was over there, uh I never I didn't have a temptation to to do it just because before then my I got my habits down pat, you know. I was working out every day. I was getting really into mindset, um just really diving into like personal development just like a little bit. Um so when I got there it wasn't uh you know I wasn't like tempted to do any of the drugs or anything plus I was I was really intimidated by the city you know I just came I just came from like a uh small you know southern town big city from Miss- in Mississippi and all here it is it's Barcelona this big massive cosmopolitan uh metropolis kind of and uh I was like kind of intimidated man I was like all these people from other countries I don't know the language um you know one hell of an adventure and so when i got there it was like one step at a time it was like you know i was more just like hanging out having a beer but like really not going hard in any way
0: yeah that endorphin hit is probably kind of similar it's that it's very overwhelming especially when you're in a new city like barcelona and it just everything's new and then coming from and like an eastern philosophical background like you're present like you don't really – your mind can't really stray too far into thinking about getting opioids because you're just like – you have to stay so present when you're in an environment. I'm assuming you did or did, did you speak Spanish when you got there?
1: Um, I was speaking Spanish while I was there. I only spoke a little bit when I first got
0: there. Okay. So then, yeah, you're overwhelmed by the language. So I mean I guess you could have gone either way. You could have just been overwhelmed and said like, fuck this. I'm going to escape back into opioids or you did what you did and you stayed focused and you stayed on the path and just let let that overwhelming sensation kind of be your guide.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I was just really excited, you know. I was overwhelmed, but I was like, man, this is such a crazy adventure. And I remember, you know, when it was it around August or September in 2015 and I was like uh hanging out with like my host family cuz I was with my host family there for the first like 3 months or so. And we were in like in the Pyrenees. And I was thinking, man, I can't believe it. A year ago, I was like just doing drugs in like a gas station. And now I'm like here in the mountains, like in Barcelona. Like, this is insane. So I couldn't even really think about like, you know, doing anything bad because it was just, I was just so excited. And I was just really grateful, you know, in the moment of being like, you know, this is really, this is really cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's no way I was going to like mess it up by like, doing anything stupid like going back to drugs or anything
0: yeah that's beautiful man i'm I'm stoked for you and and thank you for sharing that so openly Uh, i want to ask one thing before we kind of dive into what you do and how you got into the entrepreneur online scene in your like online bio you talk a little bit about being a wannabe writer is that something that you've always been and and if so what do you write about normally what what kind of stuff do you like to write fat fiction like what
1: yeah so I guess I was always a wannabe writer. I mean, I always thought being a writer was cool. Like, I was writing for my, like, high school newspaper and my college newspaper. So I always thought that was, like, really interesting. And uh, so I I guess I – but I didn't know that you could actually make money from it. And so that's why I kind of called myself, like, a wannabe. So I never – I didn't, like, dive into it in college or anything. Um, But, you know, even – between then and me starting my my writing business, I was just like dabbling, you know. And anytime somebody kind of needed writing, then I would do it, but I wouldn't even get paid for it. It'd be mostly like, "Can you like buy my groceries this week? I'll write this blog post for your for your website or write like this uh, landing page for your product." Yeah, I didn't even know it was called a landing page. Or I didn't even know it was called copywriting, really. So, I, I yeah called myself a wannabe writer for the longest time because it was more like I was just writing anything cause I thought it was
0: pretty fun. Okay. So it wasn't a specific genre or style that you are drawn to. You just, you just like writing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like writing, man. I mean, I liked the, uh, you know, I guess it was more journalistic at first. Cause you know, I, I liked research and I like kind of, uh, you know, I was, I guess I was reading a whole lot of like ethnographies. So it's like kind of reading about different cultures, like, you know, deep dives into, um, how societies work, what, you know, cultures, traditions, things like this. Um, and I think that's, yeah, I think that's kind of how I got interested in in uh, copywriting, which is essentially that. So it's just about um, understanding people and what makes them tick, you know, pain points, desires, what they're really into. So and that's kind of how I got into that.
0: Yeah, I feel you, dude. I like that stuff as well. So you did one year in Barcelona and then did you head back to the States and then head back out? Like how did this whole digital nomad lifestyle become a part of your lifestyle?
1: Yeah, so it actually wasn't a digital nomad lifestyle for a while. So I went to Hungary. Yeah, one year after Barcelona, because my whole plan was to teach in like a new country. uh, You know, for like the next five years, five countries in five years, I always sold myself. So you know, I had job offers here and there, out east and in other parts of Europe. And then I chose Hungary because of the, I guess, intuition. I just felt it. And um, so I just taught English there at a kindergarten in uh, in Budapest for the year and for about a year and a half. And Around that, like a, a little bit after my first year, that's when I kind of started feeling the itch to do something else. And I wasn't teaching well. I wasn't getting along with my colleagues. Um I don't know. Maybe the algorithm of the internet was like hitting me or something, because then I started seeing advertisements on how to make money online, how to, you know, have, you know, have like what kind of skills are out there that you can make money from. And I had no idea. And it was just kind of slowly creeping into my head that there's something out there that I could do. Um, yeah. And then eventually, I had a friend say, "I know you've been, you were writing." Uh, in college, and you've written some things before. Can you write my uh, like my my product page for my website? And I said sure. And I did it a few times, wrote some blogs for him. And he said, oh, you're a pretty good copywriter. And I had no idea what copywriting was. I was like, that sounds like a, I'm not a lawyer. I thought it was like copyright law or something, something silly like that. And he's like, no, it's like copywriting. Like just give it to Google. And that was the first time I heard about it. So.
0: Yeah. So when those things were popping up on your feed of you know how to become a digital, no matter skill sets you might need to be location dependent, what were then? What were you most drawn to, like dropshipping yeah. or what?
1: <laughs> no, not really. I was really interested in writing and in the in coaching a little bit because during that time I was going deeper into personal development and kind of like having good habits. And then I was also part of the community in Budapest, helping just kind of showing up to. To AA meetings here and there, um, as more of like as a way for to keep me like solid on you making sure I was just had this you know just a reminder of like my past and things like that. So and I was helping people uh, with habits and I wanted to be a coach. So there was I kind of went through that phase, and then yeah, writing kind of took over because I would meet other coaches and then these coaches would say,
0: "I know you're a writer,
1: so can you write something for me?" And then eventually, uh, yeah, I met a guy. In a, a meetup here in Budapest, and he's like this young German copywriter named Finn. Um, shout out to Finn, by the way. And he uh, he was like, "Yeah, you should you should try writing copy. That's what I do." And then I hit him up like two days later. He gave me a bunch of resources, and it all just started from
0: there. That's really cool. So, Stories and Copy were born when, like, what year?
1: Yeah, I guess Stories and Copy was born technically in like 2000. Years it 2018 January 2018. Um, I guess it wasn't called Stories and Copy then. It was just more like FrancisNyan. dot uh, com. It's just more like Francis trying to be a copywriter. Um, stories and Copy kind of came in came in like probably a year ago or so. And that's just because I loved like telling stories and I love reading stories too, which is kind of like the basis of my of my uh, my copywriting style. It's like all very story based and. Yeah, absolutely
0: love it. So it sounds like you're a basically a freelance copywriter at first, and then you graduated into owning your own business, where that's what you specialize in. People seek you out, or you're obviously doing your own marketing. You're finding people that you can help. It sounds like it's primarily in the coaching realm. Like me, I'm a I'm an online surf coach. Like, could you help me?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely could, definitely could. I'd have to learn more about your business and who you help and how you get your clients and stuff. But yeah, I mainly work with with uh, with coaches. Uh, I would say about like eighty, eighty-five percent coaches. The other like fifteen to twenty is e-commerce because that's kind of where I got my start. I was just writing about different products, and you know, I was doing a lot of email marketing for e-commerce businesses. So I was all on Clavio, and I was all about writing, uh, yeah, you know, browse recovery sequences and cart recovery stuff like that. Um, and then I started working with coaches just because uh, I love what coaches do. I've invested a lot of money in coaches myself. <laughs> um you know it's all part of like my own personal development thing and yeah I mean I've worked with like all kinds of coaches from you know business coaches from mindset to dating to health and wellness I mean I back in like April I worked with like this like sex coach uh was like living in Bali or something and I was like what am I getting myself into this is like like, how do I do research for this? You know, but yeah, I mean, I work you have with, a mostly, with bro, mostly. I'm pretty sure you can figure it out. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but you know, he was like this. He was like a guy who was like, uh, like I don't know, one of his products was like, I'll teach you, like guys. He's like, I'll teach you how to like orgasm multiple times, or something. And I was like, all right, well, he he knows something we don't. I think I don't know what anyone else what anyone else is doing out there, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, just to answer your question. Yeah, coaches. You know, it's a. Uh, yeah if we were to work together, I would have to learn more about who you work with and how you work with them things like that all all part of the process
0: you got my attention though dude can you multiple orgasm now as a man
1: uh i didn't uh, I wouldn't say i uh, i tried out the product you know i been the. i guess I need to join his master class and get his coaching mm-hmm. um but yeah, you know I think if you if you were to seek him out maybe you would <laughs> maybe i don't know somebody out there is to look for him i'm sure Maybe even someone listening to this knows just to put talk in the don't show don't notes
0: talk. since we gave him a little plug. You know, just let people go seek seek out maybe what he has to offer. <laughs> so my question… Oh, he'd, about,
1: he would love it. He'd love it. I'm sure he needs, sure needs some people.
0: So one thing I'm curious about though when you were doing the e-commerce copy, like how do you find any enjoyment and pleasure in describing something that you're not interested in specifically? Like I can't imagine everything you've ever written for was like you're just so stoked on it, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely not everything. I mean, that's one of those things that I, I kind of learned the hard way is that I'm not going to be excited about everything I write about. So therefore, I'm just not going to write about it. You know, I if I don't like the product and I think you know I'm not stoked about the product, then me and that person, you know, me and that business, that client, then we're probably just not a good match. Um, you know, it's uh, I, I definitely went from kind of taking on everything. Just because I needed the clients to being more selective with who I've worked with, so yeah, in the beginning I kind of worked with everyone, and if they wanted like you know, copy about phone cases or something, I would do it. You know, nowadays I probably, I'm definitely not gonna work with a company that you know, just sells phone cases, or if they do sell phone cases, maybe they're partnered up with something with a bit with like a, a bit more purpose. But yeah, back then it was like I was just nerding out. I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna be the the customer, and I'm gonna act like I I really, really, really need this, and I'm just gonna put like my heart and soul into it. So if it's if I'm writing about, um, yeah, a phone case, then I'm gonna be someone who's desperate for a phone case. I want to make sure this copy like pertains to to me. And it's gonna be everything I want to hear, no matter how you know how how simple or product is or how
0: much i'm not really into it so yeah you've mentioned multiple times you know your desire to learn more about yourself the health and wellness side of your life is big for you you like writing that kind of copy is there a certain philosophy that you kind of operate from that you find yourself drawn to i mean i i hear stoicism all the time these days it seems to be the new trendy thing that everyone's into which is fine i think there's a lot of value in it i don't know much about it what about you what's where you coming from when you when you dive deep into your heart and soul and, and what what touches you the most
1: yeah yeah i mean for me it's about uh i guess there hasn't been one thing i mean i did dive into the stoicism uh i guess the genre i'm not even sure maybe that's insulting for people who you know for the true stoics out there but you know i i'm really into experimenting different things so i think right now i'm actually really interested in trauma and just like kind of think like you know whether it's like uh, you know fear of success or fear of failure or um kind of like understanding what makes me tick and why that makes me tick um i'm not even sure if trauma is the word but i think like trying to find peace in that and kind of understand that you know that's kind of where i'm at i wish there was a word for it i'm sure there is maybe it's called stoicism i'm not sure but um i think that's where i'm at right now i mean yeah, I do do all the kind of like the the personal development, kind of morning habits, you know, waking up super early and taking a cold shower and reading all the time. I mean, all that stuff. And I think that, uh, you know, that's helpful. But right now I think we're going to go deeper. It's probably understanding like I don't know, the things that really just make me make me feel things, you know, like if I'm like super like upset, I'm like, oh, why does that make me feel upset? Or if I'm like super happy, I'm like, oh, why is this like, you know, why is this a goal and why was it? accomplished? And why am I so happy about it? So I think that's where I'm at right now. I wish that there was a name for that philosophy. If anyone knows it, feel free to let me know. But yeah,
0: I think just introspection and being awareness, you know, observing your, your thoughts and feelings and identifying where it comes from. Sure. That's probably helpful at times, but understanding that the letting it go is, is the bigger part of it, you know, where even letting go of the good, you have that good feeling you just described like letting it sit and resonate for too long, it can start to turn sour and and get old, you know, and then all of a sudden you start craving that good feeling again, going back to your opioids, you know, and you want, you seek it out, you look for it, you know, it's like, stay present, move forward, let things come in and out and letting things go is equally as important, you know?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I think that's a good, that's a good way to look at it. I mean, anytime something is good is happening, it's like I'll have about like two seconds of like pure, like rejoicement, And enjoying it so much, and then afterwards, I'm just really grateful that I just had that, you know. So I'm not like really bragging about it or like telling the whole world. It's more like one of those things that it's just like a gift for me, and yeah, it's made me really just so happy and something good. And I can be jumping for joy, and then for you know anytime after that, I'm just sitting and I'm super happy that it's happened. And uh, yeah, just being really introspective about the whole thing.
0: I'm going to add that to my process. What you just said, where the gratefulness comes in after you just, you absorb the joy and the fulfilling fulfilledness by whatever just you experienced and then let it go. And then just sit in gratefulness and gratitude for ha- getting to have it. And I think as well with the pain and suffering that we all go through as well, emotionally, physically, whatever you like, just the gratefulness that you, you still feel. I think that's a really key component to rounding out. I think just being a present person, um, with you earlier saying, I think you said that you were trying to do the, you know, five different countries teaching English throughout a five-year process, and, and you made your way to Hungary, and, all, and you didn't like it there originally? Was that what I remember you saying?
1: Oh, no. I, I, I loved Hungary. That's you know, one of the reasons why I'm still in Budapest. I didn't really like my, my teaching job okay, there okay. after about a year, you know. I was just kind of like burning out there.
0: I see. So, yeah, you, you decided to make Hungary your residence where you have a residency. How long have you been there now?
1: I've been there, well, I guess in my entirety, like four years, and I've only had residency for about two years. I okay. Think. Yeah, I think that's the math
0: on that. Yeah, so the audience knows you're sitting in Portugal right now on a little vacation and just found out that they're closing the borders again, so you're <laughs> debating whether you should rush back or not. Did you fly to uh, Portugal? Or did you take yeah, I
1: flew, and I flew here. I flew here, and, yeah, the whole plan was, like, to just uh, – also I was actually supposed to leave to go back to Budapest like two days ago, but then yeah my uh my girlfriend and I were just like having such a good time and we're like we could just stay um and they hit the beach up somewhere and, you know, Airbnbs were like pretty cheap here because I think they're trying to attract more tourists and people to come and um yeah, we were like super excited, yeah, I think even the person we we messaged for our next Airbnb just like said yes like three hours ago, and then like two hours ago. You know, I had like friends saying like, "Are you coming back? Because they're closing the borders maybe on Sunday, and it's Friday now." So it's like, should we risk it? You know, we don't even know what closing the borders really means. It's like we keep hearing different things, where it's like all flights are off, or it's just to different countries, or you know, we're residences, and she's Hungarian. So it's like, you know, what can work? You know, what's what? what should we do next? So I guess after this, we'll <laughs> I'll do some more research and make a decision.
0: Has there been a big spike? Obviously, there is. If they're taking the precaution to uh, close the borders.
1: Um, last time I heard, there wasn't a big spike. You know, I guess any spike in general is pretty worrying. Um, I know there's a big spike in Spain because I yeah I was in the gym the other day and I saw it was like three thousand new cases in Spain or something. So um, yeah, just being safe, I suppose. Just but yeah, we're not really sure what, what to do next.
0: The life of a digital nomad you get to do whatever the fuck you want <laughs> you know, yeah exactly
1: it. exactly
0: so it sounds like you're reading spanish and understanding it still and then how's your hungarian well
1: hungarian's okay i mean i my first year in budapest you know before i was even like working online i was i took lessons for an entire year and you know i was going to like language meetups and things like this so i was i was having a good time speaking it and um, things like that and most of my Hungarian friends, well, all my Hungarian friends, speak English like super well. So even when I'm with them, you know, we all speak English together. So I guess I should be practicing with them, and I think I speak it okay now. I mean, I you can't ask me to, you know, talk about, you know, Marxism or politics, in Hungarian, but you know, we can talk. We can. I can. I can. I can have a
0: conversation a little bit. Is Marxism a conversation that comes up often within your peer groups?
1: Uh. Not, not probably, not, not for a, couple, not for a few years. I think back when I was in my liberal arts college, it was like a topic that people, you know, you would like kill a pack of cigarettes and talk about it. But yeah, nowadays, not nowadays, not so much.
0: That's so interesting. So, how does your mom feel about all this? And is she coming to visit you? And obviously, she probably misses you.
1: Yeah, she does miss me. I mean, we, I don't see her very often, and. uh We do talk, like, every few weeks. My mom's, like, really chill because, like, I moved away when I was 17, you know, for college. So she's so used to not – she's really used to not – sorry. She's used to me not being there. So she'll call me every few weeks, and we'll chat for a few minutes, but and she knows I'm away. So it's like she does miss me, and we'll see each other. When we take like a big family vacation, but she's really, especially you know, the past few months in the last year with you know with business growing and you know she's heard me in a few podcast interviews, so to her it's like yeah it's like the equivalent of me being like Jay Leno for her. So she's she thinks I'm famous and stuff. So uh, God, you know bless her heart. And I know she's really she's really proud. So but you know she wants me to come home. You know mom I'm a mom's boy. At the end of the day I do want to see her. I should be home right now. Actually I think that was the plan to go back to Memphis for you know at least two weeks, but. Yeah, hope I'll see her again soon.
0: That's rad. So, take me through working with you specifically, and me employing you to maybe help me with my my surf service online. Like, how does that process work, and how could a listener who might be interested in your service um, get to know you a little bit better through this description?
1: Yeah, so I mean, the typical process that, that happens is you know either I reach out to you, you reach out to me, and we get on a call together. So. To understand what your business is, what you do, who you serve, what your goals are, what's working now, and um, and what's not working, and from there, I can I can kind of determine if we're a good fit, you know, to see if we're you know aligned with our values and and things like that, and then you know we talk more about what you want to achieve and you know how I can how I can help your business. So if there's anything. That's, that's missing, particularly around email marketing or copywriting, then, you know, we bring that up in conversation. And then afterwards, I'll probably send you a proposal of, um, you know, what the project will entail and the, the goal that we want to achieve. And, yeah, and then after that, we kind of decide on, uh, on next steps, on whether you want to continue or wait a bit. Or if you want, you say hell no, and you, know, you never want to talk to me again. That's fine too. But you know, more often than not, we usually get at least one project going with uh, with all my prospects clients. Whether that's something small like you know writing a, a three part email sequence to writing a massive sales page or something like that. So, um, but then yeah, before I even get down to writing, yeah, you kind of leave it up to me to do all the research. And, uh, to send in the drafts and to get your approval for everything.
0: So it's project based. It's not like a reoccurring subscription model.
1: No, not yet. Not yet. I mean, I am on uh, on retainer with a couple of clients where I'm pretty much, um, yeah, like a freelance know, employee of theirs. You know, they have a content content and, or, you know, they just want, they just want me on call for anything. Um, so I guess that's like the subscription model in a way, not precisely, but um, yeah, I guess in terms of projects, that's how it goes for right now, and then, of course, I always want to do, you know, long-term relationships, so rarely do I ever end a project and just say, all right, great, have a great life, you know, it's, after that, it's, I want to I want to keep in touch, you know, this is like, uh, yeah, I'm in marketing, but this is like, you know, the business of people, and, you know, the people I work with, I wanna see them succeed. So I wanna do everything I can to help them on their journey as well. And so yeah, usually it's gonna be some type of long term relationship, whether it's you know, constant work and consistent work, or you know, I'm the the copywriter or email strategist they have, you know, first on their minds if they if they need someone like that. So yeah.
0: And pricing is based on the size of the project and the scope and, and what they need from you.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like pricing is always a bit weird in the sense that it's it's very that's customizable. Um and it's always based on like yeah the circumstances. Um yeah, I'm smiling now cuz I was like speaking with the coach the other a like, few weeks ago and he was like I told him to gal i send you a proposal with my like my fee and everything and he's like, "Oh no, no, no. I thought this was a sales call. You should tell me the price now that way, you know, I'm like hot and ready to buy." So then I should i'll let you know and i was like i mean everyone has their own process man and you know it's like i'm not trying to bring you into my program it's just like i need to look at my calendar and see what's ahead and you know things like that but uh yeah everything's pretty customizable
0: are you finding a lot of your clients coming from the dc coming from the where dynamite circle
1: uh a little bit a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't say so much. I mean, recently, yeah. Um, but no, I think I have a lot of, yeah, a lot of clients from like just referrals. Okay. And uh, right now, it's just because I kind of have like, yeah, different kind of goals right now. But um, yeah, I mean, like the way I get clients is mainly through, mainly through referrals. I haven't gone into like paid advertising or anything. I'm trying to make it a point to never do paid advertising. Um. I guess until I maybe have a new facet, a new
0: part of my business I want to focus on. But right now, it's mostly through referrals. That's the best, right? That's the strongest. Um, If you could speak to an amateur writer out there or somebody who's in a job that they don't like and they'd love to learn how to get into the freelance copywriting or get on the road as a location-dependent writer, can you talk to them and maybe just give them a play-by-play on what to do, the steps to take?
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, you know everything that you need – To to do it is out there already. I mean, the way I did it, I I didn't take, like, a a course or anything like that. I just watched YouTube videos on, you know, one, how to write copy, and then two, how to be a freelancer. And everything's there. And, you know, after that, it's just taking the smallest step. So if you are interested in writing, then I advise you to just write and, you know, try to figure out what you like writing about. Because when I first started out, I was writing – I was a content writer i was writing blogs i was writing all these articles i was writing lead magnets sales pages emails and you know i realized that eventually i just really like writing emails in sales pages and so most of my work is emails right now so like 15 20 percent is like sales pages but it's really it was because i was able to try different things and just like get my feet wet and just get experience that i was able to have confidence to like take the next step. So if anyone's interested in any of that, then really just take action, but don't have to go super big and like quit your job or anything. Just like take the smallest step, whether that's doing research or, um, you know, going on Upwork or cold pitching someone to write like a $5 blog post like I did when I first started out, then just do that. I mean, it's a compound effect. Everything is going to, Kind of build. So, yeah, just take small steps and be patient.
0: That's great advice, Francis. Folks out there listening, if you want any copy, check him out at storiesandcopy.com. Thank you, Francis, for your time.
1: Yeah, thank you. See y'all
0: later. Awesome, Francis. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Super inspired and looking forward to crossing paths with you sometime in the near future and getting to check out Hungry. Please remember if you're a first time listener, hit that subscribe button. Leaving a rating of five stars and a review really helps me out, as well as sharing this with a friend who you feel might enjoy this type of podcast. I thank you so much for joining me. Looking forward to seeing you in next week's episode, Monday morning, 9 a.m. as usual. I hope you are well, wherever you're hearing this at. Thank you all are so very beautiful and I'll see you next week. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out and spread your wings and try something new to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it is the perfect one for you and I'll see you next time.